Hey there out there. You are deeply tuned in right now, man, to The Real People Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ginsberg. If it's your first time tuning in to The Real People Pod, welcome to the show. We have a really, really, really great guest today, Stephen D'Arbenzio, the greatest artist <laughs> I have ever known, <laughs> uh, creative director, designer. He's on the show today to talk about his artwork, his process, his paintings, which I am a huge fan and admirer of. Can't wait to talk to Steve. If it's your second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth time tuning into the Real People Pod, thanks for coming back. Sorry I haven't put out an episode in a few weeks. I took a little break. I took a little break, all right? I appreciate that people reached out and were like, where are you? Why is there no episode of the Real People Podcast? That made me feel good. It was good for my self-esteem. But I just took a little break, a few weeks off. There was a lot going on. There was an election. Hey, we won. You all lived through it, too, so I'll spare you my analysis. But, you know, waiting for those results to come back was like waiting to hear back from a, a cancer diagnosis. I'm so glad that we, uh, that we did it. We pulled this one off. <laughs> we avoided autocracy, sort of, even though the president is publicly trying to, you know, reverse the results of the election. That's okay. We'll just let this ride until January, and then we'll move on in there, put some smart people back in the White House. My 32nd deep thought this week is around turkeys. You know— Everybody talks about on Thanksgiving, like, how all these turkeys had to die just for this one holiday and how that's kind of sad, makes us feel weird. But at least a lot of turkeys get eaten. Think about all those turkeys that were slaughtered in preparation for Thanksgiving that didn't get eaten. They will never get eaten. They literally died for no reason. Those turkeys, they died in vain. They're the real suckers and losers of Thanksgiving because no one's ever going to eat them until next Thanksgiving. Why would you eat, like, why would you roast or broil a turkey for any other reason besides Thanksgiving? It's It's disgusting. It tastes dry. It's a bad bird. We've evolved as a society from turkey, like right? We have we have fried chicken now. We have ham. We have roasted pork shoulder. Like why would we <laughs> you know what I mean? Like why would we eat turkey? Why do we eat this? That's what I hate so much about traditions in general. It's like, hey guys, let's just let's just eat a, a turkey like they did hundred and fifty years ago with no seasoning. It'll, it'll taste you know what it's like why? The best thing you could say about a turkey if it was perfectly done, perfectly executed, the highest compliment that you can give the chef is, wow, this isn't dry at all. This doesn't suck at all. Good job. So, you know, RIP to all those turkeys that were slaughtered but then didn't make it to the big dance and get consumed. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry about that. Now you're going to sit on a shelf in a shop right in the bottom of a freezer thing until what? I don't know. When do they throw them out? Maybe they just save until next Thanksgiving. I don't know. Are they good for a year? Maybe the turkey I ate this year was from, like, 1997. I don't know. How often do you slaughter fresh turkeys? Do you even need to? How many people, how much turkey is eaten, you know, yearly in the U.S.? Not much, besides like deli turkeys, I guess. Those are different turkeys, right? <laughs> Those are, they're born that way, like with like slices of them falling off. What am I talking about? <laughs> All right, let's get this thing off the ground. <laughs> My guest today on the Real People podcast is Steve D'Arbenzio. Steve D'Arbenzio, I guess you could think of him as an illustrator, an art director, a designer, a creative director. I just call him an artist. He makes wonderful, wonderful art. He's, um, I've always said out of everybody I've, I've met in my life, and I'm super grateful for the life I've lived because I've met a lot of creative and talented people, I, I, I think that Steve D'Arbenzio is the most talented person that I know. Um, he's a true artist. I'm so thankful that he came on the show to talk to me about his process. Um, just, just super enamored to have been in his presence. 
It was a solid interview. Uh, you can check him out at drbenziocreative.com if you want to check out all the great works works of art that he does, or you can follow him on Instagram at sdarbenzio. All that information is in the link to the bio. So here is Steve D'Arbenzio. Do you ever, do you feel like there's like a magical element to life sometimes? And let, I'm like, I know that was a heavy way to start off this conversation, but let me, let me just explain why I'm asking you that. Mm-hmm. So before I came over here, I had set up – you saw how I packed up my bag because we're doing a, a podcast in your apartment. I'm in Steve D'Arbenzio's apartment right now, and I've never done that before. I traveled with all my stuff to set it up in someone else's kitchen or something. Yep. And I'm looking around my apartment, and I can't find this one little thing that costs like $4.99, the microphone splitter wire so we both can hear. I just can't find it anywhere. I have everything in the same place. I've never moved anything. You get it? And I can't find it. I'm so stressed out. I'm looking under, under beds. I'm looking under desks. And I like, I like, whatever, get frustrated. I walk to Best Buy on Union Square. I buy a splitter wire, come back to my apartment. Splitter wire mm. that I had lost is just sitting on my chair where I normally sit. And I know I looked there and I was like, does life have a magical aspect to it? Do you, do you ever think that maybe there's something going on there? What is that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I might have, I might have. I might have had a, a little bit more of a magical imagination when I was younger, mm-hmm. probably because I was a little bit more, I, I, a little bit more religious. Yeah. Um, my mind automatically goes to, I just didn't see it there. Okay, you're you're, you're a pragmatist now. I, not not <laughs> all the time. Some, I mean, there is a part of me that 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 automatically is skeptical of things, mm-hmm. but then there is a part of me that does believe that there are. Uh, there are larger things at work mm-hmm. uh, in in life or the universe or whatever you want to call it. Like I do believe that there is, there are things we can't explain, things yeah. that happen that we can't explain. Yeah, and I, I think like sometimes they're kind of like humorous. Like it's like it sometimes it just seems like that was a cosmic joke. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm. Uh, I am one year, a little over one year sober. All right, congratulations. And man. I have a sponsor who, who said something to me that, that has stuck with me. So one of the, one of the aspects of, of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the program I happen to be a part of, is that uh, you, you have to find a higher power. Yeah. Whether that means that the group itself is your higher power or – you know, it could really be anything. When it comes to AA, it's not a religion. So you, if you want, you could make something in your an object in your life that you care about can be your higher power. Sure. But whatever it is, it just it's just about recognizing that there is something larger than you. So whether you want to call it your your higher power or God or whatever, um, my my sponsor said to me one time because I had told him something you know something actually that happened to me that was that was interesting, mm-hmm. and he said. Well, your higher power has a plan for you, and the plan is none of your business. Yeah, and that has that that kind of resonated with me, and that's how I kind of I try and live my life like that. Things happen all the time, you know. Some things we can't explain, and maybe we're not supposed to be able to explain them. Yeah. Some things happen that don't matter. Some things that happen that are funny. Some things happen that are shitty. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's all part of. It may all be part of some cosmic plan, and the plans really none of our business all of our business is 
how we're going to live uh, moving forward in spite of all of the things that happen around us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can relate to that and I can vibe with that. I kind of, I kind of feel the same way that it's like kind of just a big cosmic dance and it's just kind of going on and we're, we're kind of just, we're, we're, we're doing the groove. Like we're going along with, not to sound like a complete hippie maniac, but we're going along with the flow. You yeah. know what I mean? And, uh, but I do think just sometimes, yeah, sometimes things are shitty. Some things, things are sad, but sometimes I just think quite simply that was just a, a kind of a joke, like a cosmic joke on me, just a message to relax from somewhere. Don't yeah. take things so seriously. I you mean, know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it may, it may very well be that that's what it is. Yeah. And again, like, even if, even, even if it, you know, the pos- there's the possibility that it wasn't there. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and there is some weird um, higher power or energy that's fucking with you. Right. But if it, let's say it was there. Yeah. And you just didn't see it. You're still walking away with a lesson. Yeah, that's you know, true. You're still walking away with a lesson. Like maybe I need to uh, not take things as seriously. Yeah, and things can be, you know, the the uh, whether whether it's an actual joke or not. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It ultimately doesn't matter. So you're walking away with the same lesson, but you get out of it. Um, you'd mentioned earlier when talking about this that you feel like you had more imagination when you were a kid for this kind of thinking. But over time, maybe you don't as much anymore. Uh, in what ways do you have imagination now? I mean, you're an artist, right? As far as my artwork is concerned, I mean, because I, and not to interrupt you, but it's like, to, to me, like that sort of, it's that, it's that innate creativity, right, is kind of what I'm talking about. I'm not saying I believe in like a god or, a, or any of that stuff, but take that out of the equation entirely. Just that there's an innate creativity to things. When I walk around kind of the earth, and I look around like in a beautiful day, I, I feel a sense of innate. I'm not saying there's a creator. So I'm trying to make, I want to make that this is different. Yeah, yeah, no. I, uh, but there's an innate creativity to things where I go, oh, that's beautiful. That's designed well. That's, a, that's an interesting way. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. Um, does that trickle into, like, do, can do you feel as an artist, and I'm asking as someone who's not an artist, that you're tapping into that source? So it's interesting. I, I, I don't know how much of my artwork, uh, I don't know how much of my artwork is um, inspired by external sources. Okay. Well, I feel like a lot of my artwork is inspired and stems from my own life experiences. Um, I like, I do a lot of portraiture. I paint a lot of faces. Mm-hmm. Um and it's been, it's always been like that since I was a little kid. Like when I, even when I was like, you know, in school doodling and stuff, I would always draw faces. I would draw eyes. Eyes were always my favorite thing to draw. Mm. So I'm really drawn to humans, to human faces. Um, and I think really what, 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 what else is there? I mean, like without people, there is nothing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There might be an earth here, but if there was no one here to experience it, then there there's might as well be nothing here. So like right. we the are here matters. we are here to experience each other and experience the earth around us um, while being with each other. Mm-hmm. And I just happen to be really drawn to other people. And one of the things, you know, the longer you're alive, you know, not that we're that old, but the longer you're alive um, the more people you meet, the more people you lose, 
And that's what life is. It's about gaining relationships, losing relationships, both to death or, or, or to distance or whatever it might be. And I feel like that's kind of what my artwork is about. It's about, it's about people and it's about the relationships that we have with each other. Mm. And when, and when I, when I paint a face, you know, it's really important to me. You know, I, I try, I try to paint people that I know all mm. the time. You know, I, I've painted a lot of family members. I painted friends. It's important because when you're painting somebody, you know, for instance, you know, I painted my brother and I, I have a lot of complicated feelings towards my brother. Mm -hmm. I love him, you know, more than anything, but I've also, I, I've, I've hated him before. Right. You know, I have memories of, of him doing really horrible things to me. Yeah. You know, and there's all of this. But that, is he that's your, is but your older brother? My older brother. And oh, that's yeah. what life is, though. I mean, there's no such thing as, like, all white, all black. It's like, it's all a mixture. It's all complex. None of us are all good or all bad. And none of our relationships are all good or all bad. Mm -hmm. And what I like is when you look at one of my paintings, I want you to be able to see all of that emotion and all of that... Uh, complexity? All of that complexity. Yeah. You know, even though you're just look, you're looking at a face, you know... You're looking at a person. It's not like you know. You're looking at a presidential portrait on a wall. Right. It's like when you look at it, you. Re I really want you to see something, and not just a human being, the human face, but a life behind that face. Mm -hmm. Like the story. Yeah, you know, and and it doesn't matter what that story is because you know I'm not always going to be there to tell you who it is if you're looking at my artwork. But mm. you know, for instance, when I was in college, one of my professors gave me a critique. Um, which w which always stuck with me. He said, what I like about your paintings is it, is it feels like there's real muscle and bone under the skin mm. of, of those people. You know, and that's, that's... They're alive. That's what's, yeah, that's mm. what's really important to me. You know, like if you're, if you're, if you're on the subway or you're, um, you know, on a bus or wherever and you're looking at a person who just happens to be sitting in front of you, who has a, a ton of character in their face, mm -hmm. you know? You're looking at a three-dimensional human being with, with, a, with, a, with a life, with a story, with pain, with love, with loss, and you don't know any of it. Mm -hmm. But you're looking at them and you wonder, like, what, what's going on? Like, what has this person been through? And sometimes you could tell, like, this person's been through a lot. Yeah. You know? You, sometimes you could, you could tell someone, someone um, looks like they're having a hard day or they've had a hard year. Yeah. You know, and I, that's what I've tried to convey through my artwork. And you, you mentioned that um, for you that that kind of starts with that. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just kind of processing that that starts with the eyes, that that Im initial. I think the eyes are the most important. Yeah. You do have some paintings going back a few years to the early ones where there are no eyes. Um, like that's kind of a. Yeah. So that's what's, that's interesting. Um, it, it wasn't really, it wasn't really, a lot of times when it comes to art making, you have to kind of just do it. Yeah. You, you can't do, you can't think too much on it. You know, you have to just keep making stuff. And then as you, as you create, the ideas start to, to kind of come. The, 
the ideas kind of come after you put down the marks on the page. Mm. Like you're like, oh, okay, this is what this is about. Okay. And so you're figuring it out as you're going. You're along. kind of figuring it out as you're going along, and you know sometimes it's subconscious and you don't kind of you don't realize it until later. You're like, oh, okay. But like what I find interesting about that is, I was just trying to come up with characters of my own, because a lot, sorry, a lot of my artwork, you know. Um, a lot of my paintings, obviously, I, I paint from photographs, and I'm painting, you know, very realistically, and I'm painting from I'm painting uh, from really detailed photographs. And when it came to drawing, I just wanted to be able to like dial it back a little bit and come up with my you literally use my own imagination and not look at anything. So I came up with these characters with without eyes. They have like these cavities for eyes. Yeah. And I don't really know why or where it came from just something I started to do and the more I did it the more like it just I, I started to build this like cohesive uh universe that these little eyeless guys lived in but then at some point I, I kind of realized I was like wow I love painting eyes and I love drawing eyes and it's a huge part of my artwork and without even realizing it I created this whole world of people without eyes yeah and yeah um I'm not sure I still really 100% know what it's about, mm. um, but I think um, – yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Well, the one from that series – and correct me if I'm saying it uh, wrong, and I apologize, but it, uh, Pulcinella, the jester. Oh, yeah. he's That's a new one I did. Okay. Um that I mean, I, I I feel like you're talking about it comes from your own create like creativity in your own mind, and you're you're feeling that out as it goes along. Can you tell me about that about that painting and how that relates to what you so, just said? <laughs> yeah, that's a drawing that I did. It's or, a, sorry, it's, drawing. No, yeah. it's okay. It's a yeah. it's a character called Puccinella, and he's a he's an Italian um, like kind of a folk uh, legend, mm -hmm. and um, he originates in Naples, Italy. And um, just 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 on the surface, the reason the reason I'm, I'm I mean my my mom was born in Italy, um, my whole family's Italian, and uh, I've been there a few times. I went last year, and I'm I'm and I studied painting there, and I'm really really influenced by just Italian culture and Italian artwork. Yeah, and it's just it's it really ha it it it. It shows up in a lot of my artwork in a lot of different ways. So one, I'm just I'm just interested in Italian culture and legend and and characters, um, and I have a lot of Italian uncles yeah. who you know make their own wine and are also like these really old fashioned kind of characters from Italy that uh, um, they're kind of hard to explain. I think. Drawing that Pulcinella character was kind of just my way of uh, uh, paying tribute to to them, to my Italian family, and but the idea, but w removing the eyes from it was was ju was just <laughs> me bringing that into my universe. Okay, so of, that's that's your universe. It's just a combination of of being uh, kind of enthralled with Italian culture, but all wanting to make artwork that is my own and not just copy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've I've noticed like so th- that you you know speaking hearing you speak in the beginning of the episode about eyes being the windows to the soul and then your your universe being eyeless kind of beings especially something like the jester which is really striking uh it's there's just a really striking painting and it's amazing thanks um i also and again i'm coming from a place where i, I just correct me because i don't know that much i'm just speaking off the cuss man like what i what it means to me seems like you also in, include a lot of like tessellations or patterns into the eyeless creatures like a uh, repeating uh, mm. structure or paradigm um is there a repetition there? Well, I think I think so a lot of it again a lot of it has to do with my studying in Italy. Okay. You know, if you study if you study Renaissance painting, uh, Renaissance art, there's a lot of like triptychs and diptychs mm-hmm. where there's like two, three, sometimes four panel artwork mm-hmm. and it, a lot of it has to do with symmetry. Mm-hmm. You know, um and you know, the, the, uh, <clears throat> a lot of it has to do with um, with size as well. So, like, you might have one larger piece in the middle and two smaller ones on the sides, and it ta- and, and that basically uh, conveys the importance of the object that's in the 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 piece. Mm-hmm. So like if you have one big thing in the middle and then two smaller things on the sides. Okay. And I kind of bring that into the artwork a little bit. Um, I really, I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's uh, a subconscious thing or, <laughs> or I just, or, or just an aesthetic thing that I, I enjoy, but I, I enjoy symmetry mm-hmm. and I enjoy, um, I enjoy being able to make your eye move from one pe- piece to another yeah so so it's not completely boring yeah um and as as for like the patterns and stuff i mean um i'm not 100 percent sure which what (laughs) you're referring to like for example there's one where you have a a character and you see a a, what i would describe as a tessellation or repeating figure of ghosts right right okay so um the ghosts, <laughs> they, they are ghosts, actually. And I, I don't um, remember off the top of my head, but there's no eyes in that photo, too. I mean, sorry, yeah. that picture, right? So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think also, I mean, w- where I don't, ha- I'm not 100% sure where the eyeless eyes came from. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say that I started drawing them, drawing them at a time in my life that I was pretty, pretty depressed. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think that it says something like the the pieces do say something about maybe having a lack of vision, not being able to see. Mm-hmm. One of the th- one of the things about depression is that it gets really hard to see past um, what's going on right in front of you. Right. Um, all you can kind of see is is what's going on around you, and, and you become overwhelmed. It's kind of like you lose your vision, and I, I maybe I think that might be part of what it's about. Mm. And the ghosts, you know, they kind of they kind of evolved with the eyeless creatures. They came about around the same time, and they they quite literally mean ghosts, like being haunted by by ghosts, um, whether they be um, people who've died that you loved, mm-hmm. or relationships that that you've lost, whatever it might be. Something that you lost that that still haunts you, 
Yeah. And uh, that's what those are about. So I, I think the ghosts and the eyeless creatures definitely stem from a, uh, a time in my life when uh, I probably had a, a harder time with depression mm-hmm. and and uh, yeah and I think that's where those came from like and then in the ghost painting I'm not sure what you called it I don't know if you have a name for it but so we'll call it ghost painting for now but it, you quite literally wrote the message like yo ghosts can uh, what is it like clog up your brain or <laughs> oh yeah um, so that's so when you see the ghosts they're usually in clusters mm-hmm. like a like you know 30 40 50 sometimes they fill up fill up the whole page and they're they're they come from behind the subject and they're attached to the subject and what i wrote was um ghosts build up over time they can drive you crazy let them go Mm. um and it's i mean that line and these ghosts are specifically tied into my life story Mm -hmm. um having experienced um, I would say for my age at 32, I'd probably, I've probably lost, um, more, more people in my life than, than, uh, other people our age. Sure. Generally. Um, I lost both of my parents and I lost my brother. Yeah. And so when I talk about ghosts, like, I, I mean, I, I, I guess I like quite literally am talking about them. Yeah. Um, every day I live with the, um, reminder that they're not here mm-hmm. uh, and and missing them and all that comes with losing a person and uh, if you if you don't get a, a ch- if you don't if you don't put a check on that kind of thought process it could drive you crazy mm-hmm. like if you let yourself go down that rabbit hole of of regret or guilt or uh, what ifs, just about people you've lost and and people you've loved, then it, it can drive you crazy. And they literally do become ghosts sometimes. That, that and you feel haunted, and you feel like I, I wish I just didn't have to think about them mm-hmm. right now, or for a while. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's that's kind of what that's kind of what all of those things are about. They they all of it leads back to. Uh, the death of my, my parents and my brother. And I think even even my fascination with humans and, and the face and trying to get that emotion uh, into my paintings is just, um, it, also, it also, I think, all goes back to the fact that my parents aren't here anymore and I'm trying to uh, convey uh, relationships with people to trying to convey um, some kind of emotion, whether it's bad or good, um, and what better way to do that than to immortalize it on canvas? Because at some point, you know, everyone's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but these paintings, like, will still be here. You know what I mean? Yeah, and what better way to convey a positive message through pain than with something simple and very, very, I feel like, deliberate, like, it can drive you crazy and let it go. Sure. Because I think no matter where you're at, I mean, I don't know when you paint something like that, if you're talking to yourself or if you're talking to the viewer of the painting, but I think um, through the lens of something like, like on canvas like that, I mean, it's, it's, it's powerful takeaway for me. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that people don't often like when you're talking about the haze of depression or like you're stuck in this place where you can't see outside of it anymore. You know, you can't see the uh, forest through the trees, so to speak. I do think that remembering to let it go so you don't go crazy is just a really poignant message. And um, I think that the words themselves in that in that particular piece, which I brought it up because it's like one of my favorite ones that you've done. Um, you don't normally add text. No, like a direct no. message to the to the viewer. And uh, I felt like it really helped me label what I was feeling when I looked at mm -hmm. the painting and I digested it in a more uh, serious way. You know, so um, I mean, it, it all kind of ties back to what we talked about in the beginning um, about not to put too much thought into the things that happen. Yeah. I mean, whether it's uh, not being able to find uh, a, a lost piece of equipment or whether it is <laughs> yeah. you lost someone that you loved. Um, obviously, those are both. <laughs> completely different things a little different i don't know <laughs> I, no obviously yeah, yeah. those are both completely different things yeah. but they're both things that happen to you and if you put too much thought into anything whether it be small or big it can drive you crazy mm -hmm. and at the end of the day my you know i have i lost people and the only the only thing that is a hundred percent true is that um they can't come back right and if I put too much thought into the fact that they can't come back and try and live in the past uh, and uh, and try and find too much meaning uh, in their deaths, then it could it could drive me crazy. Yeah, I hope that I think I think that makes sense. No, it, make, it makes sense. It could drive you crazy. And so you've got to, in some ways pay respects and let it go for your own sanity yeah 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 and i i think part of that is probably i think the art make making the art is probably part of that it's like getting you know because a lot of times you know it might seem that i, I it's hard for me to articulate some of these feelings because it, it is you know i i think that a lot of it is you draw because obviously I, I don't honestly i don't know why i'm an artist i don't know why i was i was born with this ability to be able to do it. I, I don't know why I started when I was so young and I don't know why I s it stuck with me. Yeah. And I don't know why I have this natural um, inclination to have to make things. Yeah. And I, I honestly, it, it, it bothers me sometimes because I wish that I could, I could end my day sometimes and just feel content with the fact that I, you know, I did my day job and now I could, you know, lay on the couch, watch TV and not worry about anything. But for me, if I'm not making stuff, I feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. So it makes me anxious. Well, you have and, a calling, man. <laughs> and, and I, but I also think part of that is that, you know, it's, it's my, my, my brain or my personality or whatever. It's my natural way of getting things out. Yeah. So if there's things in there that are bothering me or making me depressed, whether it's conscious or, or, or subconscious, it needs to come out. Yeah, and I don't always know why or what um, the 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 message is or what it, it, the the artwork is supposed to be about, but I just know it's something that needs to come out. Do you ever look back after you finish the a piece and go, "Oh, that's what that was"? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, that's happened before. 
a lot of t- a lot of times, you know, like I told you before, a lot of times you put down the marks first, and then you go back and go, oh, okay, yeah, like this has to do with that, and this has to do with that. It's kind of like you know, you ever, you ever have a dream, um, that while you're in it, you don't really know what's going on, and then like if you do happen to remember pieces of it, you can look back and go, oh, okay, I saw that because of this, and I saw this yeah. because of that, and. I watched this movie last week, and that's why this dream, you know, that's why this thing happened. Yeah. So I think it's it's kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It kind of raises questions about the uh, the nature of reality in general. We don't have to go there, but it's like if we have this reality that we're living in here at your kitchen table. We have our dream reality, which really isn't incredibly different from this reality because it's just something our mind is manifesting. Mm-hmm. It seems real at the time. And then there's the reality of your paintings with the eyeless figures, which you're also something that's just manifesting from your brain at the time. And none of it would be possible without the relationship between you and Canvas, me and the world, all working together. You know, and that's that's just kind of I don't know what I'm trying to say about that, but it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, the idea, uh, the idea of <laughs> of what even is reality is, I think, a little bit too, uh, you know, too much for a Tuesday. <laughs> It's just, it's just so. If you, the more you deep dig into it, the more abstract it becomes. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you talk about complexity. It's like, what is real? What's not real? Like, you know, I, I don't know, man. Does that come out in the art, though? I mean, when you go to dive into too abstract of a concept, does the art become more abstract? You know what I mean? No, I, I, I think. I mean, I think all of us have different, to some extent, we have different, tr- we live different truths. Mm-hmm. And what's real is different for all of us. I mean, my life, I mean, the things that have happened to me in my life have not happened to you. Yeah. So my experiences aren't real to you. You can listen to me explain them, but you don't feel the things that I feel mm-hmm. and, and vice versa. Yeah. So what's what I put down on canvas or on paper, whether it be someone's face or uh, a character or a ghost figure or something completely abstract, it's whatever it might be stems from my reality. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's real in the sense that it's, uh, it, it stems from my life and my life is real. Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess that begs the question of the nature of reality itself, but let's go, I just I wanted to start by asking you the easy questions. Let's let's ask a couple hard ones. <laughs> I'm just that was a joke, man. I'm just. Kidding. <laughs> um, let's start from the beginning. Uh, so, when you said that you've had this calling your entire life, you always felt compelled to draw or paint things, and you do have this amazing ability. I just want to make. A, I, I look. I won't do this. I know you would rather I don't do this, but I'm just gonna for a split second just tell you that. I, I, even sitting here across the table from you right now, I feel like I'm in the presence of an actual artist, like a real artist. And um, that's like a, a like you have what you're describing when you're in the zone and the flow and the need to do things to me is presence. You need to be present with your with your, what, what you are as a being. And you are very present to me. You seem very present. You're I think I feel like honored to be in your presence. Well, first, I, I mean, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, well, it's you, you man. Know, I, 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 I'm not. I'm not go, I, I can't. I can't uh, comment too much on it because it 
Yeah. I uh, prefaced it by saying I'd ra- I'm sure you'd rather I didn't say this, but well, also it makes me feel getting compliments makes me feel strange and I don't like <laughs> But um you know it, it's also I got to say it's probably it's also easier to probably explain some of this to you than it is to actually live it though at the same time because it's not always easy to make art. Yeah. You know, I might uh, you know, I might be able to explain to you what it's like to be in the zone mm-hmm. and I might t- be able to explain to you what it's like to have that need to make art, but that doesn't mean that I always do. Yeah. Um, you know, it's actually been you know, it hasn't it's been a little while since I've 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 finished an actual painting just because um I don't know, man. It's uh, I don't I don't know if, if it's it's if it's some kind of performance anxiety, yeah. Or uh, you know, I, I guess I'll, I'm sure a lot has to do with with the state of the world that we're living in, especially COVID and everything. You know, it's super easy to get distracted and not do the things that you need to do. It's it's, it's pretty similar, in 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 uh, it's pretty similar to to working out your body. Yeah, I mean, if you go to the gym consistently, and you're gonna make gains, and you're gonna feel good, and your 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 depression's gonna subside, your anxiety's gonna be less. Um, but we all know how easy it is to fall off. Yeah, and when you stop going, and then all of a sudden it's been you know two months, you put on a little weight, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling depressed, and you're, and it's also really hard to start again for some reason. Mm. It's the same thing with art. Mm. It's the same thing. It's like a muscle. It's like a muscle, and unless you're consistent about uh, working it out and and uh, you know making sure that you uh, are keeping yourself moving, then it it can it can uh, be really hard to uh, to start again. Yeah. Have you ever done any um, like commission type? Has someone ever been like, "I need you to paint this for me"? Yeah, I've done a few. How does that work? I mean, I know it's a slightly different conversation, so but there's been a, there's <laughs> been a, there's been a few, and I, when I was younger, I, I was more inclined to say yes to them because, um, you know, I, I, I work full time as a designer, so I, I have a full time job and I have a decent salary, so I'm able to, you know, live a decent life, and it, it also enables me to have the time to paint. Yeah. Um, but when I was younger, I you know I I really well. Right after college and stuff, I didn't wasn't making any money, and um, so when people asked me to do stuff like that, I was quick to say yes, no matter and you know, and no matter how much they wanted to pay because it was extra money in my pocket. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I didn't realize how much I I hated doing commissions. Okay. Because <laughs> um, I was like, oh, well, I'm painting and I'm making money doing it. Yeah. But you realize when you're not painting something that you want to paint. Uh, it, it's it's it can it can be somewhat torture yeah um like when you when someone says can you paint my dog or uh, can you paint my kid it's like yeah man i don't know yeah. I, I don't know if i can when i'm when i'm painting my paintings of like of th- when i'm painting my portraits you know i'm painting people that i want to paint i'm painting people that i'm emotionally invested in yeah that i care about and that's what keeps me going that's that's you know i feel you know I feel each stroke, yeah. you know, but when it's uh, someone you don't know or you don't care about and you're just doing it for, you know, a small paycheck and it doesn't mean much to you, yeah. it's really hard to make good art that way. Yeah. So recently I've, I've, 
I've turned I've been turning down some commissions. Nice. Yeah, it's just it's just they're really hard to do. And and and, and aside from that, just logistically, my style of painting takes a really long time to do. Mm-hmm. So if someone asks me to do uh, you know, a 20 by 30 painting, uh that's like that could end up being 2 months of my life depending on how much detail uh the subject matter entails. So yeah. Uh, I'm just not willing to put that kind of time into things that don't uh, make me feel like I'm doing something important. Yeah, for sure. I was gonna say I was gonna give you three million dollars to paint my cat, but I guess that's uh, that's off the off the table. No, well, I, I, <laughs> I gotta say I'm more, I, I am more inclined to paint pets than I am people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do. I mean, I obviously, do, I do like painting animals. Yeah, yeah. And you have a nice little dog here. Yeah. Um. All right, well, let's go. I, I, I've been kind of wanting to go back to the beginning because I'm always curious about, like, like when, <laughs> like when, when did this happen for you? I knew you in high school. I'm so fortunate. Like, a lot of the people on this podcast so far, a lot of them have not been people that I've known my entire life. But a good chunk of them have. I've just been – I've grew up with ex- extremely talented artists. Like you mentioned earlier, like Justin Garcia was on the mm-hmm. show. Um, so I knew you when we were like, Steve, you <laughs> – you're an artist, and you're like, ah, like, ha- so can you <laughs> can you talk about that evolution, like when you realized that you like you had to paint, and how you grew that muscle? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think you know, when I was young, I mean, I always knew that I wanted to be an artist in some some form. Yeah. Um, but you know, we come from the same <clears throat> we come from the same town. Yeah. From. You know, what an inspirational place to come. Yeah, from, <laughs> there's nothing really remarkable about it. It's just, it's just a, uh, you know, a kind of run-of-the-mill suburban town in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, our high school was, you know, run-of-the-mill. Um, and when I was in high school, I was, you know, I wasn't that different than most. I wasn't super. I wasn't like this kind of overtly artsy kid. I mean, I, I love to draw, and I did, and everyone knew that I did. Yeah. But other than that, I, I'd like to do all the other stuff, too. I like drinking with my friends on the weekends, and sure. I like getting into trouble and going to concerts and stuff. So it, it wasn't always like art was a uh, at the forefront of my, of my life. You know, I was still – I was just a kid, and I was trying to have fun at the same time. Yeah. Um, but with time, uh, you know, I think – a big part of it had to do with, you know, my parents dying when I was very young. You know, before we graduated high school, my dad was gone. And then uh, when I turned, by the time I turned uh, 19, my mom was gone. So um, very quickly after high school, I had to grow up kind of much faster than most people do yeah. at that age. And, um, and uh, you know, and around the same time, I, I started going to art school in the city. I went to the School of Visual Art. And then that, you know, move, you know, j- a kid from Jersey moving to New York City and then living in New York City and then meeting all these different people, having, you know, amazing artist friends and artist professors and, you know, being blessed with the opportunity to travel and, and meet different people and see different things. Um, I guess the artist in me that was always there just kind of... Uh, Blossom, man. Yeah, blossomed and, and just kind of manifested itself a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And it just, who I really am started to develop. Yeah. You know, when we're young, I think we're all just trying to figure out who we are. And, we're, you know, especially in high school, a lot of times, like, you're trying to 
you're trying to, you know, you, you kind of, uh, I feel like in high school we're all just a bunch of chameleons yeah. trying to fit into whichever group we happen to be standing with at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I did that a lot growing up. You but know? did you have those moments, though, maybe when you were at home or in private where you knew what the calling was? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard to it's hard to think back to it's hard to remember specific thoughts that I had at yeah. that time, but like I do, yeah, I do remember being alone in my room drawing at times, and like, you know, those were the moments that I felt most like, this is who I am. Yeah, you know, because a lot of my life was, like I said, trying to be things that maybe I wasn't necessarily meant to be. You know, trying to listen to music that I didn't like because I was I was trying to be part of a certain group or or wearing things that I didn't necessarily wouldn't normally wear because I was trying to be part of you know this group yeah and it, I think that you know I don't know if every kid goes through that but I think a lot of us do because we're young and we're trying to fit in and we're trying to find our place and you know a lot of times I, I felt out of place I never really felt like I belonged but one of the only things in my life that ever made me feel like I'm doing, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, is making art. When I did it, I knew that I was doing it well. I knew that, uh, um, I knew that it made me feel good when I did it, and I knew that when I did it, people appreciated it. You know, even before I had this overt, uh, you know, desire to be, to be an artist, you know, long term, I. You know, it was just—it's just a fact that I did something and people noticed it. Yeah. You know, and people appreciated it, and that felt good. Yeah. So, yeah, I—I I think making art when I was making art was when I was when I felt most like I was myself. The the the, you know, this is leading towards <laughs> me wanting to tell you that the first time I noticed that, like, I was like, you know, I—I I, I knew you when we were younger. I was like, yeah, Steve's incredible at, at drawing and art. I mean, and. I mean, that was always like a fact that was obvious to me. Um, but you did a, 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 a canvas, or I mean, you can, again, I'm not an art guy, so correct me on my language sometimes, all right? But uh, it was our friend, well, I haven't seen him in 20 years, but Brian McCombs, remember him? Yes. Remember that picture of Brian McCombs that you did? Yes. Uh, that was, like, I knew Brian McCombs, so for our listeners, just to give it a little bit, and I didn't clear this with Brian McCombs because I haven't seen him in 20 years, mm-hmm. but he was a... Uh, a really athletic, really great guy that went to our high school. Everybody kind of admired and liked. Yeah. Um, he was like the fastest guy in the world or something crazy like that. Yeah, he, he's pretty <laughs> sure he won records. He won broke records. Yeah. He was from – everybody from Oldbridge goes on to do great like, – like, you know, like Kamala Harris's uh, husband is from Oldbridge. Oh, yeah, yeah I heard that. <laughs> yeah. I it's heard like that. Martin Luther King Jr. said, the, uh, the arc of truth – the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards Wawa on Route 34. <laughs> so um, – mm-hmm. but Brian McCombs was like a – just somebody we all looked up to and everybody knew really well. Yeah. And uh, I found that, that initial portrait that you did of him. And I don't know if it was supposed to be of Brian or like he was just your inspiration or the muse for it. So, so yeah. Um, I mean, initially, I just – initially, I, I just wanted to paint um, – I just chose a face that I was – that I felt strongly about. Yeah. And Brian and I, um, even though we've known each other since high school, um, we started hanging out uh, more post, you know, after I got out of college and I lived in Brooklyn. Um, I don't remember quite what it was, but we just started hanging out. We got really close. And um, he was just a regular part of my life. And 
um, he taught me he, he taught me a lot. He taught me how to be a better person in a lot of ways. He taught me a lot about in terms of uh, race and racism. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'm sure you could relate. You know, being a white kid from the suburbs of New Jersey yeah. with parents um, who you know come out of a generation that don't necessarily uh, have all the best ideas when it comes to race. Of course, you know, we were raised with some ideas that were wrong. Yeah, you know, and you know, he he helped he helped me to identify some of that stuff as I got older, mm. and not necessarily that I I I I had racist ideas or thoughts, right? But like sometimes you don't realize that some of the things you say are are remnants of of a, 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 of an idea that was instilled in you from before you even. Uh, uh, before you even had the ability to decide what you 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 wanted yeah. in life, and you know he helped he helped me in a lot of ways. Uh, let, let me just put it at that. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's he he's a really good guy. We we became really good friends. And um, so I decided to paint him. And at first, you know, I didn't know what it was going to be about, but it was his face, and. He's, you know, he's got a lot of character in his face, and I did the the painting is much larger than life, so his face measures like probably you know fifteen, sixteen inches in width. Yeah. And so it's so that in itself is striking when you look at it, but it just so happened at the time, I, I think around when I was, around when I was finishing, um, the painting. Um, it was there was a story that. There was a story in the news um, of an un unarmed black man who was killed by police. Mm. And I don't remember which one it was specifically, which is sad because there's so many of them that, yeah. I, I, you know, there was. It, but it was one of the ones that really got the country talking and and got everyone really riled up. And and so all of a sudden, like, it, I felt compelled to make that piece a statement about about racism. Mm. So. What I did was I just, instead of finishing his face, you know, because at the time his face was unfinished, um, I just left the rest of the, the canvas blank and took a, uh, a piece of charcoal and wrote all over the top of it, please don't kill my friend. Mm. And I think the idea was, you know, leaving this face, face unfinished the idea of so many, you know, so many young black dudes whose lives didn't get to, who, who didn't get to finish their lives. Yeah. You know, um, and so much is left, and, and, you know, so much is left blank. You know, so much of the, their lives will never be filled with the things they're supposed to be because they were, they were killed for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. And, and it's as simple as that. Br you know, Bryant is someone who, to this day, I have a lot of love for, and um, and I'm quite literally saying, please don't kill my friend. Yeah. But he re he his face in that that uh, that painting represents black people, and uh, and yeah, that, that's what that piece is about. Yeah, and uh, I actually forgot when I asked you about this that you wrote, please don't kill my friend, so that directly alludes to the meaning of it. But I remember. That at that time in my life, again, like since we're the same age and went to the same place and knew the same people, that that 
jarred me a little bit too. It like helped me, like you talked about. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's you know, I, I don't necessarily uh, think that it's always a. I don't, I don't always uh, put words. No, no, painting, I know, I know, I know. You know, and but <laughs> I, I think the idea was that it should be obvious. Yeah. That you shouldn't. That cops shouldn't be killing unarmed black people. Right. It should shouldn't. You know, I shouldn't have to. We shouldn't have to make signs that say it. Of course. You know, we shouldn't have to say, please don't kill my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the, the world that we live in, like, you have to be literal. Yeah. So it's not enough to just to just paint a face. Yeah. You know, you need to, to say what it's about. So and it breaks through to people. So who it's just... just like, yeah, that's what this is about. That's yeah. what this is. Please, please stop killing our friends. Yeah. And it's heavy. Um, I remember it was it was just intense for me. Um, the first time I saw it and, um, yeah, just, that was the first time I, I was like, damn, Steve is a serious, serious artist in the sense that he's using his art now to help wake people up. Well, I didn't, and that, that might've been one of the first times I've ever gotten political with yeah. my artwork and I haven't done much political work even till, even <laughs> still, but, um, well, let's talk about the second time you got political though, real quick. Sure. <laughs> um, the Donald Trump painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, you know, I don't want to talk to you about him for too long. We, like, like, I hate Donald Trump. You hate mm-hmm. Donald Trump. Okay. Um, that painting also was another moment where I was like, like the it was such a beautiful painting for such an ugly pig. Yeah, that's what was interesting about it because I don't even know why I decided to do it. I, 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 I mean, I, I mean, I guess I do. I guess I was trying to make make a point. Um, so the 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 painting, first of all, it's really small. Yeah. Oh, is um, it? Okay. I can't tell on. Yeah. It's like, it's like five inches wide square. It's oh. like five inches square. So I don't know. I don't know if I did that uh, purposefully. Small like his hands. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I don't, I don't know. I don't remember if I had that thought initially. Yeah. But now looking back, it's fitting that it, it's so small because he's a small person and, right. you know, he doesn't deserve anything bigger. Right. But, um, you know, I, I titled it Gold Plated Hate. Mm-hmm. So I I painted this this picture of Donald Trump and there aren't many pictures of him that are flattering, but there's a few particular ones where you could really see who he is. Yeah. You know? You could really like at his at his rallies talking to his people, like you could really see just kind of the I don't even know what the word is, the the emptiness and the hate and the it's kind of the grossness that embodies who he is in his eyes and in his face, yeah. his expression. Like, he looks like what he is. Right. He's a manifestation of yeah. something. And uh, so I, I painted his portrait. And, yeah, it's, it's weird when – because I, 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 I'm really uh, – my painting – my artwork is, like, really important to me. It's it's uh, it's precious to me, I should say. Yeah. Like, I really – like, it's, it's hard to uh, – like – even when people buy it, it's hard to get rid of it. Like I really love my artwork. Yeah. Um, probably, you know, maybe to a fault. It's not. It's never that good to be too precious about your work, because it's important to grow and change. Well, at the same time, and not to cut you off, but when you when you said that imagery earlier of that you feel every stroke. Yeah. I mean that's hard to get. Well, that. it's just that's you're putting so much away. of your life into these things. That yeah. You, they become a, an extension of who you are. Right. So, which is then even stranger because this. Now this is a painting of Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. 
And, and quite I'm, a good and one. I'm, <laughs> and I'm putting a lot of myself into this painting. Yeah. But I think what it is is I'm putting the I'm putting all of that energy, all of that, all of the disdain that I have for him, and all of all of the 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 all of the bad that he represents, and all of the uh, negativity that he has caused for different. For all of us in this country, um, I'm putting that into the painting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's weird when I, you're painting someone you hate, but you love the painting because it's it's you know you're really uh, putting yourself into it. Um, and then what I did was when I was done with his face, I uh, I I um, gold leafed the background, mm. um, which one is a uh, it's a throwback to Renaissance painting. Again, I'm really influenced by Italian Renaissance painting. A lot of it is like, you know, really well done uh, portraits of different saints and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and um, uh, on a backdrop of gold. Yeah. Um, so part of that is just an aesthetic choice that I enjoy. But, a lot, but, but more importantly, what that had to do was is that he, he a lot of his image is represented in gold mm -hmm. you know when he moved into the white house he tore down all of obama's uh curtains and shit and put yeah. up gold Ugly ones, gold ones yeah. you know big makes you look like you're in atlantic city yeah New Jersey. big gold trump letters he has a, you know he owns a gold toilet bowl uh -huh. you know if you look at, at most of the things he owns are gold um and and, and it's just and it and i think it's just it's all about image for him yeah you know it's just all about like that look at how rich I am, and so that that's that's kind of what it was about. But with the paintings, um, again, not an art guy, but I I think that oftentimes there's like the halo, like a golden halo in mm -hmm. those classical paintings, yeah, yeah, which is supposed to indicate like some sort of consciousness or wokeness. Yeah, yeah, uh, I didn't give him one of those. No, I know because he can't have that, right? No, um, no. and I just felt like that was because kind of because just being on a, on a on a. Just being on a gold plane mm -hmm. doesn't make you uh, good, right? Makes uh, <laughs> it just it just means that uh, you're on a gold plane. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's just like you can fly first class, but doesn't mean you're not you know? a douchebag. Um, it's, it's just because you're wearing <laughs> a, a gold Rolex doesn't mean you're not a piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> I think it probably means the opposite. But yeah. But okay, but the second part of that painting that I really wanted to ask you about, I remember watching it on Instagram when you blacked, you like painted over it with black paint over yeah. Donald Trump's face. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a pretty powerful moment too, right? Because this is, even though it's him, is this something that you just said is hard to get rid of? And well, then I gotta be, I gotta be honest with you though. Okay. <laughs> because um, while I did want to make a statement. I didn't want to ruin my painting. <laughs> so it was a copy? <laughs> no, I, I wrapped the painting with saran wrap. Oh, uh, okay. Really tightly so you couldn't notice that there was saran wrap on it. Um, it's still cool, man. You still made a statement. Uh, yeah, because for me, it was, it, it's, more, it, it's more about the statement than it is the piece itself. Yeah. I don't want to ruin the piece because once it's ruined, I can't do anything with it anymore. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a good point. But uh, I, I, loved, I loved that moment, though. I thought it was one of the best... Um, it was a great statement and one of the best uses of Instagram I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I, I, again, <laughs> I, it was another instance not not long ago. Uh, I think it 
was after George George Floyd got killed, and uh, you know there was just a, a ton of upheaval uh, from both sides. Obviously, uh, one side calling for uh, reform and justice, uh, and then another side call, calling for uh, you know calling for. Nothing. Who knows call, calling calling yeah. for nothing to change, really. Yeah. Calling to you know, basically denying that there's even a problem. Right. And Trump just kind of you know fed into all of the vitriol going on, and you know instead of trying to help bring the country together at a time when we're all literally like it seemed like we're falling apart, um, he he just kind of which is his mo. He pours fi uh, gas on the fire. Yeah. And it just gets worse, and I was just so angry. I was so angry at the time that I, I just, I, I felt compelled to, you know, and it's not like I don't have a large following or anything, so it's not like I'm making any, uh, any huge difference by by doing this stuff, but again, I think it's just I think it's just a part of getting out your own frustration that, that so it doesn't it doesn't, uh, doesn't eat you eat you alive. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was it was just about my anger and. Uh, what I did was I just I, I put I put his painting down flat and I poured a bunch of black paint on top of it and covered his face. Yeah. Um, and the message is just I mean I, th I I mean I guess it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, I think one it it, um, it shows my lack of respect for him. Right. I don't have respect for him and I don't think he deserves respect. Right. And you know. It's like Tony Soprano said, those that want respect, give respect. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, I think it does show that. And like, I just thought all of that was really great to watch. Like, I mean, like, it's not like me and you were best friends, talk to each other every day. I've kind of, I've just kind of witnessed this over the years um, and been impressed and moved by some of it. And the, before we wrap, man, the last, the last painting I want to ask you about, if you don't mind, is, um, it's uh oh man I wrote down the name of it let me just it, it's a new one it's um baby with Bonjo oh baby yeah <laughs> uh, Bonjo and, and child Bonjo and child so yeah. can, I I really found that one interesting because I mean you you talked about how you're influenced by like Italian um yeah that's Italian another art. piece that's 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 like more on the nose obviously <laughs> yeah well I was gonna ask by if, Italian Renaissance artwork. Well, you know, I, I kind of resonate with the Italian thing. Even though my last name is Ginsburg, my mom is super mm -hmm. Italian. Her maiden name is Durasmo. Yeah. My grandfather was super fucking Italian. And, and I knew the, the kinds of guys that I grew up around were probably similar yeah. to the kind of yeah, people that I'm you sure. grew up around. Um, you know, like Uncle Vinny who chain smokes and yep. says crazy stuff and wears yep. a leather jacket, slick back hair, goes outside yeah. on the phone screaming at somebody. We you all know, know those guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, but like. Uh, that that one just like struck a chord with me just on the Italian lineage thing, um, but I couldn't tell if it was like tongue in cheek, like like it's like uh, is it funny or is it? I think um, <laughs> I think that that it's it's tongue in cheek and it's and it's funny, but it's also it's also made with a lot of love and seriousness. Yeah. Um, that pic that photo is a picture of my brother. Yeah. Uh, holding his new his new baby, he had a and then his his. Uh, girl had a baby in uh, August, and his name is Vincent. 
and uh, you know, like I like I uh, said before, you know, there's been a lot of tragedy and death in our family. Um, we lost, you know, we lost both of our parents, and uh, all, tomorrow actually will be the, the three-year anniversary of my brother's death, my older brother. I'm sorry about that. And um, thank you. Uh, so. From our immediate family, uh, J John and I are the only ones left, actually. Wow. Um, so, you know, I think for me, just reflecting on all of the all of the years of of sadness and grief and uh, and loss that we've been uh, blessed or cursed with, um, to see a new life come into our world has brought like just a, a ton of joy into my heart. Yeah. You know, um, obviously it's a pandemic, so we haven't really been able to see each other that often, but just, you know, you know, I constantly am asking for pictures of my nephew and, uh, thinking about him. And, 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 and so for me, it's, yeah, it's funny because I took my brother and I turned him into like this Italian. It's, it's really, it's a play on the Madonna and child. Yeah. So Mary and Christ. But it's a picture of my brother holding his baby. Yeah. So it's supposed to be funny because it's it's my brother who's just a silly human being, but I turned him into a saint. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it, 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 it does represent how I feel about him and his son and how much I love him. Uh, yeah, that's great. He, yeah. And, uh, you know, and then again, it, you know, it, it's, it's also, it just pays homage to my love for Italian art yeah. and my, you know, uh, Italian culture and, and my my uh, influence, having studied there for you know for a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a it's a really cool painting. And uh, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm excited that you have this joy in your life. And um, you know, I think that uh, the future is bright, sort of. So. <laughs> yeah, man. I think I think the future the future is bright. I yeah. mean, look, no matter what happens uh, around us, you know, we we can't necessarily control. Uh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to our country or our world? Mm -hmm. um, aside from you know, the small role we get to take in, in voting, right? Uh, but what's important is how we live our lives in spite of what's going on around us. Yeah, and um, and how we work on our how we work on ourselves. Yeah, and one of the things that I've learned since I've gotten sober um, is that um, life can be really good despite all of the, you know, bad things are going to happen, you know, whether they're done purposefully or by accident or what life is going to throw curveballs. Bad things are going to happen. We're going to get sad. We're going to get mad, but it's really important to, uh, not let those things define who we are as people and, and define who we're going to be in the future. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think no matter what, life can be good as long as you're trying, you know? Yeah. Hey, amen, man. Amen. I would, uh, I would say amen to that. Uh, so, all right, Steve. Well, I think that's a positive note to end on. I just want to say I really appreciate you doing the podcast. Uh, I told um, you this before we started recording, but I've told a few people this. When I thought about creating it in March 2020, I knew that you'd be on it. Like, I had to have you on it for it to, well, be, I appreciate that, to be the podcast I want it to be because I think of you as a true artist and so talented, but I, I wanted to 
have a catalog first so you wouldn't think you were talking to nobody. No, no. <laughs> uh, because no, I, I really do respect you as an artist. Um, I, I respect you and um, think of you as, as a friend. I, yeah. I, see, I see you as a friend, and I, I appreciate you asking me to do this, man. Yeah, it's great to have you on, and uh, keep at it, man. We'll be excited to see what you do next. Yeah, man, I will. Well, actually, I if will. I could ask you one more question, are you sure. thinking about what you're going to do next? Um, I have some ideas, yeah. Uh, right now, I'm really what I'm trying to do is just build consistency. Yeah. So I try and draw every day. Nice. Um, you know, I started a new sketchbook about a month ago, and I'm trying to just make sure that I draw every single day. And one thing I've noticed is the more I draw, and the more consistency I build, um, the more ideas come. Yeah. And uh, that's just what I'm doing, man. I'm just like like I said. I'm just trying to work that muscle, yeah. and the more I do, the more the more I'll make. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right, man, and and it's also just a way to experience your own presence, and the same with others, which I think, um, you know, you've kind of demonstrated that you do throughout this episode. And uh, yeah, I mean, hey, Steve, thanks so much for being on the Real People Podcast. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Thanks. Bye. All right, folks. That was my chat with Steve Diarbenzio, the artist. I hope you enjoyed it. You can check him out at sdarbenzio on Instagram. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Have a great one. Bye.